It's go time. The biggest question in the minds of many, is there going to be an on-time start to the 2022 season? Welcome to Quick Kicks, everybody. Don Charbon along with Heath Graham. Pat is unavailable this week. Heath, somewhere out there, there is going to be a deal struck. How close, how far, or will we see for the first time since 1974, training camp threatened? That's a great question. The CFLPA seems to be very unified in their stance. The owners are pitching some things that realistically their early offers were insulting. They're working on trying to get that together here we're, we're running out of days as we record this. There are about four days left to get a agreement ratified before the start of training camps. I feel that we're in a position, both from the player standpoint and the league standpoint, that they cannot afford a work stoppage, given everything that they have been through over the previous two seasons. So I believe we will get a deal done. It may not be till Saturday afternoon, but I think they're going to be ready for camps to open on Sunday. Rookies have started to show up at camps across the CFL. The CFL, if it's to be believed, wants a 10-year contract with no salary cap increase and a possibility of elimination of A, the, the Canadian-mandated participation in the starting lineup, and B, a reduction of roster spots cutting down from 21 to whatever number you decide. If you do both, that means that basically if you take away spots from the roster and you take away starting spots, you have nothing left. That one to me is a, is a key. And we have discussed previously our feelings on the Canadian ratio. I love the fact that there is one in the Canadian Football League. And I do not want to see a complete elimination of Canadian starters there, the situation we're in right now is there are Canadian and American players on the CFLPA at the bargaining table. And this is one that I would love to be a fly on the wall to hear how the negotiations are going on this. As far as the salary cap and, a, and no movement on that for 10 years, that is the part that I said was insulting to the players. And I don't think there's any way that the league is going to be able to get that accepted by the CFLPA. We're going to see a different salary cap maybe a little bit shorter or a, a plan for incremental increases to that cap year over year. But a 10-year freeze is something that will never happen. For everyone's edification, who is at the table when these guys are talking contract? You've got Hamilton Tiger Cats Chief Executive Officer Scott Mitchell. You've got Winnipeg Blue Bombers President Wade Miller representing the Canadian Football League Negotiating Committee. And on the other side, you've got Solomon Elamimian and you've got Adam Bighill with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who's vice president of the Players Association. Brian Ramsey, as executive director, is there as well. Ramsey's been through the wars quite a bit. This will be the first real major go-through for Elamimian, although he had to be a part of two discussions with the cancellation of the 20 season and the shortened 21 season. 
if anyone's interested and you want to get a deep dive into this, go to 3downnation.com or listen to their podcast on this topic. The guys do a great job of really breaking all of this into understandable pieces. The PA has chosen a different tactic to deal with this than the CFL. The PA has put out memos that are pretty much readily available for anyone to read that have been directed to their membership. But Three Down Nation has got copies of them. The CFL, for their part, has almost been annoyingly silent. And the only thing you hear from the commissioner, Randy Ambrosi, is on draft night when he said, everything's positive, we've got a great working relationship. Well, 10 years and no salary increase is a weird way to start a negotiation. Everyone says, well, you want to start at extremes and work towards the middle, but how extreme is extreme? That's about as extreme as it gets. Interesting notes as well. Randy Ambrosi is a former CFL player. Wade Miller is a former CFL player. And not only that, he was never the most talented player in the room. He was never the fastest guy or the biggest guy. He is somebody who definitely benefited from a Canadian ratio and Canadian content on his team in his career with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. This is where I would be so curious to hear how these negotiations go. Where does Wade Miller come from negotiating on the business side as the president of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but also somebody who really was a player and got that job based on the Canadian content? It would be fascinating. Of course, he has other interests that he has to represent. It's not just Wade Miller and his agenda that go to the table. Certainly, he'll have his own interpretive bias. We all do. Most likely for him is that he's had a lot of discussion with the other governors, and this seems to be a theme on which they want to bang their drum a little bit and say, let's see if we can exact a toll out of the players somehow to get this changed. The thinking is, and this is just my speculation, but the thinking is the Canadian quota is a financial drain on the CFL because that, in their minds, artificially increases player salaries because Canadian players, there are far fewer available every year now than American players. I'm not saying that every year there's less and less Canadians, but there are far fewer that are draft eligible every year than their American counterparts. So you've got a limited pool on one side and a massive pool on the other. It's easier to dip into the massive pool and get what you want and not have to pay extra for it. But if you have to do it in the limited pool, it will cost extra. And we we heard this kind of hashed out on Twitter with James Wilder Jr. talking a lot about American running backs versus Canadian running backs. And reading between the lines, Andrew Harris is who he is talking about. Andrew Harris has been a star Canadian running back in the league. James Wilder has been one of the best American running backs in the league for several years. And his complaint or his his point was that as a Canadian, Andrew Harris demanded such a higher salary than he was able to get. Now, on the other side of that argument is the marketability of some of these Canadian players and the homegrown talent. And we've talked about this in the past of how big it was to have somebody like a Brandon Labatt playing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders or an Andrew Harris, a homegrown product playing for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. 
and the list goes on. And, and to me, that marketability would offset some of that salary. I'm in favor of, and I've actually sent this out to Brian Ramsey for on offense and four on defense. 46 players are named to a roster, two quarterbacks, 20 imports or Americans, and 21 nationals or Canadians. If you just do the straight numbers and say that every American or import played, that would leave four positions left. One of them is going to be gobbled up by a quarterback. That would leave three just if you got rid of the quota of the ratio on the field and said, that's it, we're out of here with it. And that number, in my opinion, is too low. I I believe one of the other aspects that is coming into play here is the length of service for American players and if or when they can be deemed a Canadian in in those positions. And, And that's something that it is kind of a two-edged sword as well. It builds that loyalty of a player's longevity in the league and longevity with a team for them to be able to take advantage of how they declare that player. But again, is there going to be a cap on how many of those you can have on your team? Because you can start quickly eliminating Canadians if you have three or four of these veteran American players that count against the ratio. In terms of length, three years would be sweet three years with a team. And if you leave the team, free agency, you're back to square one. You start over again. Unless you want to have a five-year in the league rider as well. I would go even higher than that. I I like the three years on a team to build that loyalty. But if you jump ship, I believe you. I would even go six, seven years of league experience before you can immediately take that position on another team. And... The best formula that I would like to see would be, as you mentioned, four offense, four defense, with the caveat that you can have potentially one on each side of the ball being one of these designated Americans that count in the Canadian ratio. I might be good with that. I don't think that would be impossible. How many then, the other cap that you'd have to have is how many of these types of players would you have as part of your roster? How many we'll call them naturalized players, would you be allowed to keep? Is it two, four, six? (laughs) That's a great question. I think we need to get into that negotiating room and maybe sit down in front of these guys and and throw some ideas at them. And and I say that jokingly, but at the same time, this is a fan-driven league and, and hearing fans' opinions might not be a bad idea if they're willing to listen to a few ideas that we toss around as well. Apparently, the two sides were supposed to meet tonight as we're recording. Maybe there's going to be some movement here. If everything is to be believed exactly, the CFL came up with some very, very harsh stands. If you're the PA, now you've got to figure out a way to start chiseling that down to get what you want from this deal. What you have to determine in any negotiation is how willing is that person to stick with what they have just said. Are they saying it to bluff you, as in a poker game, or are they saying it because that's their conviction? They are taking this stand, and upon this stand I shall. I guess it boils down to what are the breaking points on each side. What What is the number for the salary cap that the league itself has determined they cannot go above? 
and what's the number that the players absolutely cannot go below. And then when you get into that middle ground, that's where you start to make some progress. And any of any labor dispute in professional sports outside of the CFL is always interesting to see where, where people throw their allegiances when you've got billion-dollar owners versus multi-million-dollar players whining about money here and there. The CFL is a different animal because... Um, as as Three Down Nation said on their podcast, you take the quarterbacks out of the equation, and the average salary of a CFL player is under a hundred under a hundred thousand dollars. You look at the ownership structure. Yes, there are some very wealthy ownership groups in the CFL, but there are also the three community owned teams that are a component, and some new and younger ownership groups that don't quite have that same clout that some of the older ones do. So, I, I tend in other league disputes to kind of side with the players for the most part, because it seems like the billionaires are trying to continue to eke things out. But in the CFL, it boils down to viability of the league itself. Again, I would love to see the players get paid, but can the CFL as a, as a whole and these teams afford to continue to, to bleed money if the situation arises where they're struggling financially? We're still waiting for what Genius Sports is going to bring to the table in terms of revenue streams, fan engagement, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The CFL has been sort of banking on this idea that there are going to be other revenues that will help make the league more sustainable as it goes forward. Is there room within that for the players to maybe get a piece of that pie. Let's say you keep the cap, but you get a piece of this if this grows. Another example, TSN's contract. That's a reasonable way to go about it. Another challenge to that, though, is each province is kind of making its own rules as far as how they handle the the single game and in-game betting. We saw today the uh in in saskatchewan talking about how poorly this government has attempted to take up this torch ontario kind of hit the ground running and and away they went with it and saskatchewan we still do not have anything in place yet where you can make these wagers so as much as you'd love to see all of this grow if a province can't get their act together to get it in place and we know the the saskatchewan fan base is one of the biggest in the CFL and, and very passionate. And at this point, these laws have been passed, but nobody in Saskatchewan can really do anything about it. Ontario, of course, is really incentivized because they've got three professional football teams. They've got two professional hockey teams. They've got a baseball team. They've got a soccer team. There's a basketball team. They've got all of these entities that are demanding this. And they will respond quickly. Saskatchewan, the Rough Riders are the only game in town. Yeah, well, and, and I think you brought up a good point in in getting a piece of this and a piece of the, the television contract. There has been a lot of talk, not just on this podcast, but it has been discussed on this podcast about the broadcast rights. Maybe we do need to see a change or a split between TSN and another network. There isn't a network that's going to throw the kind of money towards the CFL that they do towards the other major sports. But we see the numbers week in and week out, and the ratings are there for CFL football. 
So if they can negotiate those contracts that help the players out and get a little piece of the television revenue, it's a win for the players and the league as well. We only have the two major sports networks. It wasn't that long ago that CBC was also a partner in this process. And even before that, CTV, they would share Grey Cup games together. They'd have it on both services. It's not that far removed. There's a lot of opportunity, I think, for them to get creative about the television contract. And I look at the NFL and look at how the competition between the networks has driven their numbers up in terms of the dollars that the NFL makes through television pays for everything. It does. I think what we're going to see with the Canadian Football League is this is where Genius Sports comes into play a little bit as well with that online content. The NFL is already embracing some different broadcast ideas and we've got the NFL Red Zone that jumps from scoring you know, red zone to red zone, obviously. Uh, and then you've got the Nickelodeon network that's doing some fun things with with slime in the end zones and drawing kids into the game. We don't have as many networks in Canada to be able to do that. You've got unlimited streaming opportunities with YouTube and DAZN and Prime, uh, Apple TV to bring the game to people the way they want to watch it. And that is what I think is going to force TSN's hand a little bit, almost if they want to stay relevant, you're going to be funneling off younger viewers to some of these other opportunities. And and TSN, they do have their own tsn.ca where they can live stream some games as well, but they need to stay on top of that to not start losing that viewership to other potential streaming services. Why doesn't TSN sign a deal with I'll just use Amazon for example, and put their games on Prime. That would help with Amazon's Canadian content requirements and it would open you up to a different audience. Prime has NFL Thursday Night Football for the upcoming season. Apple TV has picked up Friday Night Baseball. YouTube shows the odd baseball game. This is where the universe is heading Absolutely. And that's exactly what I was saying is, is not only are these other services available, but the way they broadcast your viewing experience changes by what streaming service or what venue you are, are watching this game through. And that's where there's opportunity. If we want to look at that tie in with the gambling side of things, the amount of information that they can throw at you at a moment's notice in all of these, all of these different channels is the way that's going to continue to attract you if you want to watch traditional broadcast you can watch the tsn broadcast if you want some specific in-game updates you can watch youtube or you can watch prime or whatever the situation is and it can really make your experience exactly what you want it to be and of course and there's the revenue streams associated with it and that brings us back to this whole negotiation the cfl is poised for a better future. If the CFL is concerned, it's because everything is still in the offing. It's not here yet. And they don't want to overstep and say, we'll give you this, what, this, this, and this, and then find out, oh, the cupboard's bare. Maybe structure the contract. If you need the 10-year deal so that you have harmony, 
because they just don't want to keep coming back to this every two or three years. And, and, and if you think about it, I mean, we touched on it right off the top. They had to talk about the 2020 season. They've been in the room about the 2021 season, and here they are now discussing the CBA. They've had a lot to do with each other the last three years, and I'm sure they're probably, not that they don't like each other, but they maybe want to do other things. If you can get a 10-year contract, build some incentives into it. Build a growth pattern into it. Maybe the first two years, status quo, we'll just live with it. But then in year three, if we can develop revenue streams that will help augment this, some of your salary is going to come from over there. And as that grows, maybe a guy that's making 95 might see 100 or 105 at the end of the season instead. That's a, I think you've really summed it up well. And when we talk about labor disputes and work stoppages in, in sports, the one that comes front of mind to me was the 1994 baseball lockout where they got most of the way through a season ended up canceling the season and it took years for Major League Baseball to fully recover from that. It seems like when they had these shorter CBAs that they're back at the bargaining table again and you just kind of forgive everybody for canceling a season or a late start to a season or whatever the situation was and then it seems like here we go again and I don't know exactly what a 10-year one is going to look like for the CFL, but if they can go 10 years without a, a even an inkling of a work stoppage, that is a win in my books. The CFL has not experienced a work stoppage from a bargaining standpoint since 1974, and in that, it's a pretty long tour with reasonable harmony between the two sides. Each side is trying to steady themselves for what's about to happen. The CFL is being a little bit more pessimistic, saying, wait, we can't go too far. We've just went through a canceled season and a shortened season. Our revenue streams were kicked pretty hard. We want to develop this first. Let's, let's give us a chance to work on this, and then let's uh, give you what you feel that you're, you deserve at that time. That's why I think if you build in increments somehow, uh, you can have articles where this kicks in at this moment if this happens. I'm sure the players will be amenable to that. They will. And as you mentioned, we've been 48 years of somewhat harmonized coming to agreements. A lot of them have come down to the wire. A lot of them have come down to that day or two days before full training camps open that they've hashed it out. And I just hope that we are in that situation here again and not a situation like 1974 where there was some cancellations. I, I believe the league needs this. We're, we've built some momentum after the canceled season to have a great product on the field last year. They've made some rule changes to make things even more exciting. We'll see how that all plays out, but I, I believe that we're in a position where we're trending the right way, and the sooner we can get this behind us and get players back in camp and, and get game ready, the better. CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, we also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. PA, they would like to see players not get on the plane 
because and and they're caught out by this, right? The moment you climb on that plane, you're not going to climb back on it to leave camp. You're going to be there. And the second thing that they argued, well, then quarterbacks don't go. If you're Edmonton and, and there are more quarterbacks than there are coaches, then what do you do? Uh, that was a very tough situation. And, and it's interesting that they have made this announcement and this recommendation for all quarterbacks to all veteran quarterbacks to not report to the voluntary sessions unless you are with the Edmonton Elks and you're one of the quarterbacks they currently have under contract it would speak volumes because we know the volatility of a of a, a coach and general manager like Chris Jones if he's got 10 quarterbacks on the roster four of them stay away because of this bargaining agreement situation those four aren't going to be seeing the light of day once this bargaining agreement is ratified. As it is, JT Barrett won't be there this year because of an injury, so they're already down one. Great question is, what do you do with Arbuckle? If Nick Arbuckle is going to be their starter now, Trey Ford has just signed. He has declined an offer by the New York Giants to attend a tryout session with them, and he is coming north to play for the Elks. He's a quarterback. What do you do with him? I think he's got a great upside. How does he say, well, I don't want to go to camp? Being a a raw rookie, I think, puts him in a very difficult situation as well. To have a player of Trey Ford's caliber commit right now to saying he wants to attend the CFL camp, he wants to be on a CFL team, again, this just screams to get this bargaining agreement hammered out, get a season in because if you want marketability for the Canadian football league and Canadian content, he's a guy that you really need to have playing this year. And, and maybe not necessarily the starter. We, we know it can take quarterback some time to grow in a professional league. Sometimes they come out of the gate hot and they're fantastic. Other times you need a couple of seasons to kind of get a feel for it. But to have him on a CFL roster, that is somebody that should be on those advertisements on TSN for Friday night football and and get people excited about the future of Canadian quarterbacks in the league. It would be interesting to see how that all plays out in Edmonton. I'd love to be in the stands at Commonwealth to see what goes down with all of those quarterbacks. But I'm sure the Turf District will be all over that. <laughs> they will. And, and and we know they can't keep 10 quarterbacks. <laughs> That's never going to happen. But if they've got somebody like Arbuckle and maybe Taylor Cornelius and then Trey Ford is somehow tied to the team, whether he's listed as a quarterback or maybe some other uh, roster position, how quickly are those fans going to turn if they come under the gate and struggle a little bit like they did in 2021 and, and they're going to be screaming for Trey Ford and get him in the lineup and see what he can do? It's very possible. I don't know what the, the temperature of the room is when you're a season ticket holder or even just a casual fan going to your first game with the Elks. I think there's going to be some allowances. Chris Jones now with the helm. A, because he did take him to the promised land and win the Grey Cup the last time he was there. And B, it wasn't his fault what happened the previous year. So you got to give him some time to sort things out and figure it out. He'll have a lot more grace to get going than maybe a 3-11 and team would normally. 
that's a fair point. But as we see in sports, sometimes there's nobody more popular on a team than that backup goalie or that backup quarterback. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio worth watching.